Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emigrant Awardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guest on this episode of the podcast is Perez Hilton. Perez is an author, TV personality, and columnist whose blog, PerezHilton.com, kind of broke two very specific rules of journalism. Now, firstly, back in the early 2000s, when Perez started blogging, mainstream media was predominantly print, so newspapers and magazines that you would physically pick up and buy. It's certainly where you would go to get your celebrity news and access to your favourite singers, actors, actresses, TV personalities, whoever it might be. In many ways, PerezHilton.com was the start of newspaper and magazine content moving into the online space, or onto the online space, because at its height, the site was getting over 6 million visits a day, more than any newspaper or magazine on the shelves. And so this really marked that shift, because they realised there was such an appetite for this kind of content, publishing houses started to feed it with their own celebrity and news content online. And the second thing that Perez did was he kind of became the story which is a cardinal sin in journalism, but it's worked out pretty well for him because his friendships with the stars, his appearances on reality shows, he basically just became famous for being himself. He was on judging panels and you name it, and he became a celebrity in his own right. Now, I've known Perez for many years now, and the thing that has always fascinated me about his story is that he created something out of nothing. Well, no, actually, let's be more accurate. He created an empire out of the thing he loved doing, which he didn't know he loved doing because it didn't exist yet. And whether you agree with all the things he's done or the decisions he's made along the way is another issue altogether. But if you're a regular listener to this show, you'll know that I look for inspiration in my guests. And Perez's story is inspiring in the fact that it's incredibly rare. 
The idea of one man talking about celebrities online, cannibalizing sales of print magazines and newspapers, would have prompted snorts of derision if you'd suggested it to anyone working in the media at the end of the century. And yet, here we now are. Perez's name, not just the website, but the man himself, is as synonymous with an era in celebrity as people like Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears, and many more. And in some cases, many cases, Perez has enjoyed a lot more career longevity. And he's told the story of how the site began and documents the many years he cast the media spotlight on others, as well as having it on himself in his new book, TMI, My Life in Scandal, which I read in one sitting and was like, Perez, we need to talk about this. Come on the podcast. So in this conversation, we discussed the fact that he created something out of nothing, but how he channeled the conviction that he was onto something to move forward and make a living out of what he really loved doing. We talk about wanting to be famous and how if you can't make it as an actor, singer or anything else, then being close to people who are, is or at least can be just as addictive, rewarding and dare I say fulfilling. We talk about regrets, making mistakes and the things that you wish you hadn't done, especially when you've done them in the spotlight. We also talk about his own star quality and the fact that he was able to catch people's attention just by being himself and how he's used that to his advantage on reality TV shows, on his social media platforms to maintain his profile and keep at the forefront of what's happening on all media platforms and especially social media. We also discuss having a plan for when to stop. Perez admits that he rarely sleeps and never really stops working. And let's face it, that's a real characteristic of a lot of people who are self-motivated and kind of create something out of nothing. But his plan is to someday slow down. And we kind of, we talk a little bit about how he's putting that into place. It really is a tale of ambition, celebrity, nerve, and riding a very steep and very public learning curve. And I found Perez's insights to be incredibly thought-provoking and fascinating. So without any further ado, here he is, Perez Hilton on The Emma Gunn Show. Welcome to the podcast, Perez Hilton. How on earth are you? I'm every possible emotion. Happy, <laughs> sad, exhausted, running on adrenaline, um, anxious, nervous, grateful, everything. How are you? <laughs> Same Z's. <laughs> well, this actually, that's a great answer because it kind of leads into in the entire conversation that we're going to have. Because we are recording this, it's 7am in the UK and it's 11 p.m. over where you are in LA. Yeah. And Which you are is still, it's still early for me. I don't go to bed till at least 12.30 or 1. Um, and I don't get much sleep. Maybe I'll get four and a half hours tonight. <laughs> and I Well, okay. So I started reading your book and within a few pages, I was already exhausted. because it is like a high octane like I feel like you are I feel like you're somebody that when you're and I have spent time with you so I know this to be true but when you're in your orbit like it's a very fast pace well even when I'm not in my orbit when I'm home (laughs) it's a very fast pace like even today my mother lives with me and is a great help and she wanted to ask me something, but didn't want to ask around the kids. So she wanted me to go to her place 
And I'm like, just tell me here right now. Like, I don't, I don't want to waste two minutes going back and forth. Like every minute is precious. Like truly every, like, I don't watch television. This might surprise people. I watch zero TV. I don't read any books. <laughs> I don't read any magazines. I don't have time. Mm. If you spend just a day looking at all of my socials and everything I do, I am spending so much time creating and the, the amount of output that I am pushing into the world is just insane. And I do that for many reasons. One, it's my job. Two, as I talk about in the book, I made a lot of mistakes with money in the past. So unfortunately, I don't have my FU money in the bank, as they say, which, which is the case for almost every living person. If you're, you know, Adele or whomever, you know, a rich A-lister, then you probably don't have to worry about money for the rest of your life. But 99% of the people on this planet do. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I love what I do and I, and I have to keep working hard because now that I am older and I have learned from the mistakes of my past, I now know what to do with money. I now have a very specific goal for myself, which is to not work as hard as I do when I'm in my fifties. I'm a hard worker though. It's, it was instilled in me from a young age. It's that immigrant mentality, that Latino DNA. So I'll always work hard, but I don't want to work this hard. I do want to get six and a half hours of sleep a night, at least. That would be nice. Um, but I, I really still do love it all. And also, this is one of the issues that I have to work through. I am... I have, well, I, it, I, can, I can go with the stronger saying, I am an addict. I am an addict. I am addicted to many different things. I am addicted to work. I'm addicted to social media. I'm addicted to food. And sometimes my relationship with food or work or whatever is healthier than others. Right now, especially this weekend, you know, I, um, and I feel like I've just been talking, but <laughs> um, I'm super addicted to, to, to work and to social media. And as scientists or people talk about, you know, when you post something on a platform, it's this rush of adrenaline. And lately I've been all about TikTok, especially because I'm part of their creator fund. So I monetize my videos now on TikTok. So I want to make that money. And if, and it's so funny because I am officially a boomer. I am old. And all these youngsters on TikTok say that to me like it hurts. It doesn't. I'm old and fabulous. Madonna's old and fabulous. Like just because you're old doesn't mean that you're still not awesome or good at what you do or know how to work it. Um, there was all this drama this week on TikTok, which I won't get into because I'm sure your audience does not care and they're older than that. But there was a like major drama in the TikTok world. What did I do? I inserted myself right in the middle of it. And then all these big TikTokers started commenting on me. And I'm like, ah, oh, 
But I did it in a way that's not mean, nasty, cruel, or hurtful. Just putting myself in the center of this controversy. Cause like, that's my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all of these youngsters are like, why are you inserting yourself in this drama that has nothing to do with you? I'm like, check my Wikipedia page or read my <laughs> book. Okay, just pick up my memoir. <laughs> That's a great line now, pick up my memoir. Well, that's actually a really good point about inserting yourself in the middle of something. Because throughout the book, there are so many instances, there's Miss World, there's Miss Universe. And actually, even taking a step back, just the world of celebrity, you were able to, at a time when, my goodness, the the kind of celebrity gossip really gathered pace. And we started getting access to celebrities in a way that we never had before. You were right bang in the middle of it. And you seem to be able to play it and make it work for you extremely well right from day one. I had this mantra that I would tell myself from the very beginning, which is not original to me. I I had heard it before. Fake it till you make it. And that's exactly what I did, you know? At the beginning of my career, well, I was also a lot younger, so I had more energy. (laughs) Um, I was like out every night. I would go to all these events, parties, premieres, anywhere there were celebrities. And that was a great way to meet people, network, get scoops, um, get photographed and be in the mix because it was important for me to be perceived as in the mix. It made what I wrote have more weight. People took it more seriously because I wasn't some idiot in, in you know Topeka, Kansas or in Blackpool or wherever you may be. <laughs> I was right in the middle of it all because once again, I put myself right in the middle of it all. Even, and then even if it was a great flop, it's all about how you present it. Like I remember, I think it was May of 2005. Whoa. I went to the Cannes Film Festival, either 2005 or 2006, but I'm pretty sure it was May 2005. Very, very early on. No, it was May 2006. So I had only been Perez for two years, less than two years at that point, a year and three quarters. And I didn't know anybody. I just said, you know what? I'm gonna go to the Cannes Film Festival. (laughs) I go there without any network, without any invites. And I tried to crash all these parties and whatever, and I couldn't, I didn't get into almost anything, but just me being there had an allure to people. And thank God there was one really great night where I random, not even randomly, I knew she was in town. And by that point I had become friendly with Paris Hilton. So I linked up with her in Cannes and then just being able to share the video. Oh, look at me partying it up with Paris, at the Cannes Film Festival. Like that's glamorous and fabulous. And I know, listen, I reveal it in my book, you know, during that time, all of my readers kept telling me, Paris is just using you. She's just using you. She's just befriending you because she wants positive coverage from me. And I wish I could have told them then what I wrote in my book, which is, duh, I'm not an idiot. I knew that then, and I was using her right back. Mm-hmm. It was a mutually beneficial or parasitic relationship for the <laughs> two of us. 
And like, I used to, I used to go to the Super Bowl every year because there'd be all these events and celebrities going to wherever the Super Bowl was. And I didn't care about the Super Bowl. I just cared about being in the mix. Or I used to go to the Sundance Film Festival every year and never see a single movie. I wouldn't go see the movies. I would go to get free stuff and go and mingle with the stars. Okay, so we could spend at least an hour, which is the usual length of the show, just talking about all the celebrity anecdotes, all the stories about Cannes and everything else. But what well, is- I want to say, though, I want to say, um, I, I, I'm just taking over your podcast for sure. you. Um, you know, we do have a relationship, and I want to mention that to your listeners. So I think it was probably 2007, right? Was it 2007? I was trying to remember, and I really desperately I couldn't. think it was 2007, because I had the blue hair. Yes, you did. I had the blue hair and I had the blue hair in March. It was somewhere in the spring of 2007 because in the spring of 2007, I had my iconic birthday party at the Roxy in Los Angeles. And there was that one of the most iconic photos of that decade. It was me, Amy Winehouse, Kelly Osbourne and Paris Hilton all sitting in a booth at my birthday party. So you at the time were working at OK Magazine and you hit me up and said, okay, wants to do a spread about you. And not just like an interview and that's it. Like take really glamorous, fabulous photos. And I was so happy and excited about it. And that in addition to all of the other media that I got is what was able to really make Perez Hilton, meaning I look at TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. There is so much social media now, but if you're only popular on one app and don't have any mainstream awareness, you're not gonna be very successful for very long. Mm. Meaning you will not be able to sustain success if the masses don't know you and get invested in you and care because the algorithms change. People grow up and grow out. You get ugly, whatever, you gain weight, whatever it might be like, or, or like, you know, all of these bikini girls on Instagram and, and hot dudes, eventually after three, four five years, their engagement goes down because people are like, oh, I've seen that girl in a bikini or that guy without a shirt now for, 3,000 photos, I'm bored of it. What's the new guy? What's the new girl? Uh, you know, so like, yes, me coming in a time where I didn't have much competition helped. Me from day one being this larger than life personality helped. Me being very good at many things, not just writing, but also talking helped. And then me having the stamp of approval of the press is what really sealed the deal. Had it not been for you and for all of the other media that validated me, I wouldn't still be here 16 years later, even though I get it. I'm so transparent and honest. I'm not the it girl anymore. I'm not as hot as I used to be, but I'm still here and I'm still internationally known. And this is not cocky or conceited. I am an icon. I am the original influencer, 
not Paris Hilton, which she <laughs> falsely claims is, is trying to rob from me. Paris Hilton was born an heiress, chose to become a socialite, chose to then get into television and working in the reality genre. And that was her path to stardom. My success is solely attributed to non-traditional and social media. One, and hard work. And you just yes. said there about, okay, I came up at a time when I didn't have competition. And I refuse to let you say that because... Well, not much, not much. <laughs> well, no, because I tell you, for me, you are the digital media print equivalent of Video Killed the Radio Star. So as much as I gave you a called up and was like, Perez, Perez, come and do OK Magazine when you're in London... The truth of the matter was, you eclipsed print media. You, what was it, 7 million unique users a day you were getting at one point? That, that's more than any magazine. That's more than any print title. So you paved the way for magazines going online, I think, because they realized yeah, people I mean, want to find it online. Back in 2004 and 2005, the first year and a half of my career, OK and People Magazine and us, they were only using their websites to get subscriptions. Yeah. Go to the website to sign up for the magazine. That's it. They weren't breaking any news on their websites. Now it's totally the other way around. All of the news is broken on the website. And then you just read the magazine for more in-depth coverage. Like they have an abbreviated article about the big exclusive. And then the full shebang is in the print edition. But who knows even if that will last because it's wild that I've outlasted so much traditional media. I mean, for the longest time, my website used to be called PerezHilton.com, Hollywood's most hated website. And that was a title that was given to me by this TV show called The Insider, which was the companion show, the sister show to Entertainment Tonight. And that show got canceled a couple of years ago. And all of these magazines that were popular don't exist anymore. It's like a constantly changing and evolving landscape. And, you know, in addition to hard work, which you thankfully acknowledged, one of the other secrets of my success and longevity is malleability and adaptability and always being a few steps ahead. For example, I am an OG of the podcasting space now. I've been doing my podcast, the Perez Hilton podcast with Chris Booker. Links will be in the show notes. Which if you enjoy me on here, you can check that out at perezpodcast.com. Do you have a vanity URL for your podcast? You're going to tell me off for not having one, aren't you? You need to do that. Okay. I have, it's, it just simplifies things. Instead of saying, listen here, there, there, just say, listen at emmagunspodcast.com or emmaguns.com or whatever it is. So mine is perezpodcast.com. Very simple to remember. Or <laughs> Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. But I started my podcast in 2015, a while ago. Mm -hmm. You know, There were still some then already, of course, but I feel like the explosion in podcasts only really begun in like began in 2018. So I was a good two plus years before everybody started to top on the podcast bandwagon or even TikTok. I joined TikTok a year and a half ago and my podcast co-host, who is a senior citizen, almost 50, <laughs> he was mocking me. 
repeatedly on our show making fun of me for joining TikTok, saying, why are you on TikTok? You're wasting your time on TikTok. TikTok is for 12-year-olds. And I said, mark my words. TikTok is going to blow up. I know it. I guarantee you it's going to blow up. And it definitely helped me that I was an early adopter to TikTok a year and a half ago. But I was on TikTok before even Charlie D'Amelio joined. And she's now the number one most followed person on TikTok. What I find so... Because, because, and this is a reality. Social media always was a young person's game. Obviously, there are always exceptions to the rule. As we saw this year, one of my favorite exceptions is this really fabulous and flamboyant gay actor named Leslie Jordan, who you might know from Celebrity Big Brother and Will and Grace. He became this overnight sensation on Instagram during the first quarantine and gained over 3 million followers. And he's in his 60s or 70s. So there are exceptions to the rule, but by and large, social media is and always has been a young person's game. Meaning the older you get, now that I'm in my 40s, it's harder. It Mm -hmm. is harder. It's just the reality because younger people have more time to be on social media and are more engaged and blah, 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 blah. And it's even gotten younger and younger and younger. When I started, I would have been considered a like an oldie. I was 26 years old when I started. Now the social media stars are 16 years old or 17 years old or 18. It's just insane. Um, So I'm thankful that I was able to get that head start because it is harder for old folks, but it's not impossible. And I can give your listeners tips and tricks on (laughs) how they can make waves and be seen or be heard even in the podcasting space since i'm totally taking over your podcast no that's Um, fine (laughs) but what i do go ahead go ahead but what i do want to do is i want to dismantle a little bit your success because i feel as though when i listen to interviews with you i feel like people just go for the jugular about your celebrity relationships or things like this and for me the thing that is most fascinating is this guy who had nothing but an incredible work ethic and I feel like deep down, you knew you were destined for something because you were never going to settle for the ordinary. Or That's true. For yeah, I, mean, I was never going to settle for anything that didn't make me happy. And I remember vividly, as I talk about in the book, there was a point in time, the spring of 2005, where I was very depressed. It was, well, this year I was depressed too, but thankfully not as severe as that. Last year I was depressed too, but thankfully not as severe as that. (laughs) But other than that, the only other two, the only, thankfully I've only had three periods of depression. And you know, this year it's because it was just such a major adjustment for all Mm -hmm. of us. And I've got three young children that are still not in school. My kids have not been in school since March. And last year, my mom had cancer and is thankfully healthy now. And her boyfriend died and that was hard. But in 2005, I was working at Star Magazine in New York City and I felt stuck and trapped in that job. I hated it, but I stayed because they were paying me so much money. They were paying me twice as much as I was making at the job that I had prior to that. 
and I um, I remember feeling helpless. Like I I even went to a I mentioned in the book I, I went to this doctor who upon seeing me only once diagnosed me as bipolar and I just I I don't know the ex- how you exactly diagnose somebody but I'm pretty sure you don't just meet somebody once and say you're bipolar I'm it's not, not on sight it's not on sight exactly I'm not thankfully but I I was like so helpless I took the medication that she that she told me to take I took it for a few weeks I felt like a zombie I'm like this is not for me. I'm not bipolar. And I remember calling my mother and saying, I'm just so unhappy. Like I was in, I was in my shower for an hour every day before work crying in the fetal position with the, the, the water running on me. And she told me something like my mother is one of the biggest inspirations in my life in many ways, because I so don't want to be her or like her. And in many ways I do, but you know, she's so old school and of another country and another generation. And she said, I know you're not happy, but mijo, my son, that's why they call it work. They don't call it happy. And I just could not, could not, would not, and did not accept the notion that I was going to go through the rest of my life from job to job that I hated, I would I was gonna kill myself. I, I just couldn't do that. Like I, I, I was so depressed that I had tunnel vision and all I could see was darkness with no light at the end of the tunnel. And I was playing out my future in my mind saying, well, this job sucks, I hate it. I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna move back to Miami. A failure, broke, living with my mother, ending up getting an office job that I hate and then I'll kill myself because I don't want to live my life that way. Thankfully, I got fired from that job at Star Magazine and it ended up being one of the biggest blessings of my life. Cliches exist for a reason. (laughs) Sometimes the worst things that happen to you really are the best things that happen to you because I stuck around that job at Star long enough, over six months, that I was able to collect unemployment. And then that unemployment money helped me live and helped me able be able to do my website full time. And when I devoted myself full time to the website, that's when things just went to a whole other level. Because the Star Magazine job, based on, I guess, what you knew about the industry, what you knew about journalism, that would have, I'm guessing, you correct me if I'm wrong, been a dream job to catch that job would have been like no oh it was I mean what you were doing at star was different I mean you were responsible for the for beauty and at editing and Mm -hmm. they weren't expecting you to go out and spy on celebrities right yeah no we didn't have that (laughs) I had to do that and I just did not I I did not feel I didn't like it and I wasn't good at it I sucked I mean I remember and still am trauma, not traumatized, I'm exaggerating, but um, (laughs) I had to one time go to the Mercer Hotel in Soho because Russell Crowe got into a physical altercation with one of the hotel employees and he threw a phone at him. And my boss, Joe Dolce, great guy, 
he said, we want you to go down there and talk to them because the guy that he assaulted is a Latino and you speak Spanish. So I go and I try to get information and you know what happened? They kicked me out of the hotel and threatened to have me arrested. I'm like, no, please don't arrest me. My I was crying. My mother would be so ashamed. Or like they had me stalking Renee Zellweger whenever she was in town because she was married to Kenny Chesney and they wanted information about their relationship. And it just felt, it just did not feel good. I, I, I never liked it. Thankfully, mercifully, towards the end of my job there, for like the last couple of months, the majority of what I would do was call up all of these nutritionists and doctors and have them guess how much Nicole Richie weighed or how much Lindsay Lohan weighed because the big trend at the time was to put their weight on the cover of the magazine and mention how skinny they were, deathly frail, super, super skinny, blah, 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 or whatever. And it's like, okay, blah, blah. And then that's what I would do. I would just talk to experts, and which was fine by me because I could stay in the office and not do all that other stuff I hated. So when you started working for yourself and you were able to devote yourself to the website full time, was that when it was still called page 666? No, it all kind of happened at the same time. So, I mean, first of all, even the fact that I was able to get a job at Star Magazine and they let me continue my website and didn't see a conflict of interest there is hilarious to me, but I'm thankful for them. Um, I got sued by the New York Post because of their page six column. And once again, that's another example of, at the moment, you might think something is the worst thing that ever happened to you, but nine out of 10 times, you'll find out that it was the best thing that ever happened to you. So when the post sued me, because my site originally was called page666.com, I was devastated because I didn't have money for a lawyer. I couldn't fight it. So I ended up just, agreeing to change the name and they gave me some money like five thousand dollars which at the time was a lot of money for me so that happened in may and then shortly thereafter i got fired from star so i mentioned how getting fired from star was great getting getting sued by the post was also great because not only did i get money but i had already adopted the alter ego of perez hilton before i changed the name of the website so what that forced me to do was I became my brand and I became more than just, oh, that dude from that website. You know, if I was page 666.com, I could have been Mario Lavandera from page 666.com. And honestly, we still live in a world that is, the system is built to favor John Smith and Jane Doe. I mean, even you, your last name isn't, yeah, your last name isn't Guns. What's your <laughs> full last name? Gunnar Wardner. There you go. Your podcast is not called the Emma Gunnar Wardner podcast. And that's, because it's easier uh, to say guns. Yeah. So, the rebrand and calling myself Perez, if, if I did not, it, it was all like almost written in the stars. Had I never changed my name, I probably would not have ex 
achieved the success that I did. I'm curious about one other thing as well about uh, you getting into, I know you said you've always loved pop culture, as did I growing up. And the reason why I didn't become a pop star or an actress is because I wasn't talented enough. <laughs> but a great career to go into if you have those designs is celebrity journalism, because you get to basically live that life in tandem just out of the spotlight. Was that one of the reasons you were drawn to it? Because you were an aspiring actor. Don't think I haven't seen you in The Sopranos, because I did. <laughs> but also furthermore, <clears throat> I remember before I even knew who Perez Hilton was, I was watching either VH1 or MTV, and I was watching a show called From Flab to Fab, which you would oh never get away with now. And you were a contestant. And that's yes. not the thing that's important. The thing that's important is that when I, I was saw great TV, <laughs> you I've were great always TV. been great TV. <laughs> you were great TV. But what was important about that was that the show that I watched for 45 minutes or however long, many months later, or even years later, when I saw you again, I recognized you. So you do have star quality. Don't you Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You think I that do. has helped you? Yes, and I own it. I embrace it. I celebrate it. I have always been different, even when I was in high school. And it's a miracle that I was able to retain that because I went to this all boy Jesuit school where it's hammered in you to be like everybody else in your uniform. Individuality is rarely celebrated. They want you to conform and to think alike. You know, that's one of the reasons why people in America are shocked or surprised, or, or this might explain it, but a lot of Latinos, maybe I would say even most in the United States are liberal, meaning they would vote for the Democratic Party, but most Cubans in Miami are conservative and they vote for Republicans. And that's because the power of groupthink and social conditioning and religion, and that's what your parents do, and that's what your grandparents do, and whatever, blah, 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 blah. But ever since I could remember, like, I just always draw outside the lines, march the beat of my own drummer, as they say. And that's one of the best pieces of advice that I can give your listeners. Um, if you want to be successful in anything that you do, 
you need to find the star within you, cheesy as that is, because I am a star, I own it. But I also believe that you and everybody listening is a star as well, even if you're not an extrovert. What I mean by that is ideas are not special. People are special. And that sounds cheesy, but it's true. Or when I talk to young people, because I'm a big gay, I'll quote one of my favorite musicals of all time, Gypsy. You got to get a gimmick if you want to get ahead. And that gimmick is find what it is about you that separates you from everybody else, because there is no other you in this world. You might think ideas are special. You might think, wow, I just came up with the most groundbreaking, revolutionary, never before thought of idea that's gonna make me trillions of dollars. And check this out, somebody by freak of nature, right at the same exact moment that you had that idea might have thought of the same never before thought of idea in another part of the planet. You know, you're in the UK, somebody in Australia might've had that thought. Same, never before had idea, but here's what will happen. Two different people will execute that same idea two very different ways. The idea is not special. Hmm. You and how you execute the idea is special. So when you're able to do that, success will just come to you. And that's what I did at the very beginning because when I started, not only were the, the celebrity magazines not using their websites to, to break celebrity news, but the way that celebrities were covered was very different. How we spoke about them was different. I talked about celebrities like they were real people and not these larger than life personalities. There was and, no pedestal on PerezHilton.com. No, and just as important, I never talked down to my readers. And more than that, I always made my readers feel, because they were, like friends to me. Like I was talking to my friends. And, you know, naively or stupidly, that's one of the ways that I would also justify a lot of my bad behavior. Because I would say, you know, I'm just talking to my friends. And this is what I tell my friends in the real world. Like, you know, my friends and I talk about the gay celebrities that are closeted. So I'm just talking to my friends online or my friends talk about that person being ugly or whatever. Like a lot of the dumb, stupid, wrong, hurtful crap that I did when I was younger, that's one of the ways that I would justify it. I'm, I'm just saying what everybody's thinking. I'm just talking to my friends like I would talk to my friends in the real world. And now that I'm older, you realize I've realized you shouldn't say everything that you think. And that might seem really simple, but not everybody adheres to that. I mean, we have a big baby in the White House that says everything he thinks. And he got all the way into the White House. Yeah. And yeah. he's in his seventies. I mean, talking about that, did you, because you have, and you're very open about it in the book, you say that there are mistakes that you made and there are things that you wish that you hadn't done. Obviously you've had to make peace with them now, but at the time, I'm always curious about how ambition, particularly singular ambition, 
when you're working for yourself, and in your case, you're a great example because your name is on the website and you embody the brand. The, the idea of the acceptance of getting 7 million visitors a day, but then perhaps not being liked when you're going to the parties and people actually saying to your face, I don't like you. And how do you develop a bulletproof skin to that? Because even though they might be saying it to Perez, like they're saying it to Mario as well. Like Mario's hearing it. It just takes time. But also more than that, it takes rationalizing it. And it you rationalize it in layers. First layer that people could understand. Why should the negative opinion of a stranger bother me? Like it's kind of laughable to let the negative opinion of a stranger laugh at, bother me. In fact, that's one of the things I do when I get negative comments. I just laugh. Like, I just find it funny. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, why should I be bothered? And I'm genuinely not. But secondly, I'm not like everybody else. But maybe more people should view it like this. If I get a negative comment, well, listen, negative comments to your face in the real world, that's a different energy. And it doesn't hurt, but... It just feels like, whoa, like, okay, like that's, that's real in my face. Okay, wow, I, I, I'll take it. Um, but it like pops the bubble, right? Like the safety yeah. bubble. <laughs> um, but negative comments on social media, I love. And I actually prefer to get negative comments over positive ones. Because if you look at comments in terms of currency, a negative comment is worth more than a positive comment. Like, let's say I post a gorgeous photo of my middle child, who is the superstar of the family. She's like the big ham. <laughs> if somebody says, oh my God, your daughter is so gorgeous, great, fabulous, people will keep scrolling. But if a troll or a hater wants to hurt me and say, oh, your daughter is hideous. That's what you get for being such a hideous person. That comment is more valuable to me because one of two things will happen. Very few, three things will happen. Some people will just be indifferent and keep scrolling, but such a negative, hateful comment will incite people to either defend me and my daughter or pile on the hate and leave more hate. And ultimately I win either way. More comments, more engagements, more views, more money, more attention. I'm only winning by you hating on me. So I genuinely appreciate the hate. That that to me just sounds like a dance with the devil. It really does. I mean, I know you're rationalizing it, but um, it's leaning into it as well. It's leaning into it because I've resigned myself to it. Meaning for a while there, after I made this change to no longer be what I was and stop doodling inappropriate things on photos or giving people nasty nicknames or commenting on people's bodies or whatever it is, or outing people, I stopped all of that. I stopped that such a long time ago and I kept hoping that people would be able to let me grow and evolve and change. And it's been 10 years now. And the majority 
of the world still chooses to only see me as that first, as that person that first burst onto the scene. And it's taken me now many years to just accept that and be like, okay, fine. It is what it is and I deserve it. It is a result of my own actions and words. And I mean, I do find it, um, there's many elements at play. I find it hypocritical and shallow, meaning society is quicker to forgive a drug addict or fucked up shit that they did in the past than they were or are me. Even though now that 10 plus years have passed since I was a CNX Tuesday, I now realize that I was in full-blown addict mode those first few years of my career. And my drug was not alcohol or drugs. My drug was attention. And I still get that drug when I post a TikTok or this or the other, but now I'm able to manage it better. Now I'm able to understand, okay, control your impulses and maybe don't post that, post this, post the other, whatever. Like, and that comes with managing an addiction and age and all of this stuff. But if you're a drug addict who robbed or wasn't like, look at Robert Downey Jr. He was like in jail doing time, mm -hmm. blah, 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 all that. And now he's this celebrated megastar. So there's that. Then there's also an element of, if I looked like, I don't even, God, it's sad that there's no like top male models anymore. There used to be back in like the day. Marcus like Marcus Schenkenberg. <laughs> yeah, like Marcus Schenkenberg or Tyson Beckford or whomever. Yes. But like, if I was, if I looked like a male model, if I was gorgeous, people would be more forgiving of everything. And that's just a sad reality. And the third thing of it with shallowness, if like, let's say God, if you believe in God or the universe or luck or whatever, tomorrow blessed me. And let's be super specific blessed me with a sitcom and not just any sitcom, a global sensation hit sitcom that I was a star of and I played a likable character. Great success absolves all sin or most. Mm. I mean, look at freaking Mel Gibson. He still has a very successful career and he did, well, we know all the things he did, but then that also gives me hope. If Mel Gibson can still have a career after all these years and everything he did, I will always have a career too. And I look at one of my great role models and inspiration, Joan Rivers. Yes. If you're in the game long enough, you realize that how lucky you are to still be in the game and that it's like the ocean, right? Like some days, some weeks, some months, some years, you're gonna have big waves, some 
days, weeks, months, years, you're gonna have little waves. It's about getting out there every day like a surfer and regardless of the size of the wave, enjoying it and honing your craft to get better at it and learning along the way. So I think now, you know, I, I save more money. I um, don't judge the work as much. For a few years there, my vision was myopic and I would turn down a lot, a lot of opportunity during my it girl phase, you know, when you drink the Kool-Aid and you think your ish don't stink, I would say stupid things like, oh, that's not good for my brand or that's lame. I don't want to do that, this, that, or the other. Um, now, if anybody will pay me anything that's to do any, pay me my rate to do anything, I'll do anything. Right. Like, like, for example, like, you know, Joan died just before, um, it, 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 this, this, I don't think I've ever mentioned that this is the, this, I, this is the first time I've ever mentioning this. Joan Rivers' death is responsible for me doing Celebrity Big Brother UK <laughs> because um, she died in, I think it was August of 2014. And I had the pleasure of working with her many times. I did two season, two episodes of her reality show with her daughter, Melissa, over the course of two seasons. And I also did an episode of her web series, In Bed with Joan. That's how much of a hustler she was. She had her reality show. She had fashion police. She had a web show. She had her jewelry that she mm -hmm. sold on QVC. Hustler. That's why she had the career that she had. And then when she died... For some reason, it really affected me. I was really sad and grieving, and I went back and I rewatched her documentary, and it was right around the time of me celebrating my 10-year anniversary of blogging. I began in September of 2004, so September 2014 was 10 years after that. So Joan died, and also, that was a year of me living in New York City because I moved to New York for a while there after my son was born. So I was doing a lot of reflecting and soul searching and I watched her documentary and I realized, you know what, idiot, the only way to be doing more television is by doing more television. So after that, I said, all right, I'm done with this no stuff and I'm going to say yes to more, say yes to everything. So I hit up again, this woman named Patty Stanger, who had this <laughs> show called The Millionaire Matchmaker. And she had asked me to be on her show and I had turned her down because, oh, that's lame. It's cheesy. It's fake. And I'm actually looking for real love. Like, I want to find real love. I don't want something. But I said, hey, Patty, you still want me on the show? She's like, yeah. All right. Booked it, did it. And it ended up being great. And the people at Celebrity Big Brother had actually approached me before I had done it and I had turned them down. But oh. after I had my whole approach of my whole changing in my approach, I contacted them again and I said, hey, are you guys still interested in having me? And they said, yes. And actually turning them down the first time was probably a good thing because then when I said I was interested in the second time, they paid me so much money. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was better people. I would have hated the last series, but no. 
Oh no. I think because I played hard, I didn't even play hard to get. I just, I just turned them down because I had turned them down the first time and they really wanted me. They gave me a lot of money. And that was the only reason I agreed to do this show. And cause I wanted to do more TV also, but um, yeah, like I wanted to do more TV. Like, I don't know, we could talk for an hour just about celebrity big brother, but um, <laughs> some of the people in that house thought that I wanted to win no, I wanted to get my check and peace out <laughs> because I don't know if you're familiar with how the contracts work for that show, but let's say I got 50 million pounds to do Celebrity Big Brother, which I didn't. I'm just exaggerating the number. The way the contracts were structured, if you were the first person voted out after a week and a half, you got your entire 50 million pound fee. But if you stayed till the very end, you got your 50 million pound fee and nothing extra. So there was no incentive to stay the whole time. Yeah, it was only if you if you left of your own will and said, I can't take this, then you got a fifth of your fee or something like that. Is yeah, that right? 25, uh, no, 25 or yeah, 20 to 25%. Some, yeah, something like that. So like, I I wanted to be like the second voted out. Like I didn't want to be the first voted <laughs> or maybe the first, because the first one voted out gets a lot of press too for being the, the first voted out. but. I did not want to stay there the whole time. And everybody thought I was lying. Like I should have just told them from day one, I'm just doing this for the money. <laughs> but, but I knew that we were being recorded at all times. And that just, it didn't feel like a good look or it didn't feel like I was being a good partner for the show. If I just said, I'm doing it just for the money. Yeah. It feels like what you, what you ended up having happen was people had a preconceived notion about who you are. And even when standing in front of them, showing who you really were, they were still seeing you through the lens of what they had read or what they had heard. And I, or, just... or what they were being told by an evil person in the house. Oh yeah, well, sure. Um, <laughs> but I remember distinctly you going on Ellen. And I, I want to revisit this because I feel like at the time, I mean, obviously Ellen's reputation has changed somewhat recently. The nice lady no longer seen so much as the nice lady. But I remember you going on that show and feeling like she gave you kind of a rough ride. Like, cause you were saying, you actually went on, in, on television, in front of millions of people around the world and said, I haven't acted in a way that I'm now proud of and I want to say sorry for that. And I felt like you got a bit of a brick wall. I don't know if that's how it felt like that to you at the time. It did, but I think she was like a lot of people. Like, why should she go easy on me? Mm. And then also at that time, and I think this was more significant around that time, you had a couple of conversations with Oprah Winfrey. And that was a much different experience. That was later. That was a few years after. Um, I think Oprah was in 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was wild. Oh my God. Um, I got to share a stage with Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra. (laughs) Wow. On the stage at Radio City Music Hall in front of thousands of people and then it aired on OWN and it's still on YouTube. And when I met Madonna, I mean, my biggest growing up, the top three, it's what it's just, my whole life is just insane to me because when I grew up, I never would have imagined any of this because it didn't exist. It wasn't possible. And I 
not only have lived out all of my dreams, but I've lived a bigger, wilder, more fabulous, more full life than I could have ever imagined. And the top three superstars, divas, inspirations that I had growing up, I got to meet them all. Madonna, Oprah Winfrey, and Gloria Stefan. When I met Gloria, amazing. When I met Madonna, it was amazing, but I was just so nervous and awkward and crying. And I didn't cry, I didn't cry, but um, on the inside I was crying. Um, I did actually literally cry when I met Gloria Stefan because she was like family. If she felt like family to yeah. me and it was, and I met her before Madonna. I met Gloria so early in my career. I'm like, what is happening? Uh, but then when I met Oprah on the stage of Radio City, she was so kind and gracious and not just when we were filming, but also in between and afterwards and even backstage, we were like vibing and she finished my, she was like finishing my sentences. I'm like, what is, <laughs> Oprah and I are on one right now. It was, it was like a, it was like, I was living a dream and you know, this is a morbid thought, but not really. I, for the longest time, used to be really afraid of death. But now that I'm in my 40s, I'm not so much anymore. I want to live a very long life. That's why I am working hard to be a healthy person. I am waking up every morning to do the Zoom fitness classes and I'm eating healthy and all that jazz. I want to be around as long as possible for my kids. And also because I love life. I love life and I live life to the fullest. But if I were to get a death sentence, like if I found out I have stage four inoperable terminal cancer tomorrow, or, you know, and that I only have months to live, I'm like, well, fuck. Sorry, that's the first time I cursed on your show. I don't know if you take, you like cursing or not. Um, Carry on. Um, I'm, but if, at the thought of dying, it's like, ah, that's the first time it came out. Uh, I'm like, all right, well, dang, that sucks. But I've lived such a life with a lot of regrets, but a lot of joy and a lot of experiences and insane once in a lifetime opportunity after once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, from sharing that stage with Oprah to traveling the world to being in a, a Rihanna music video to opening Britney's circus tour to being on an episode of Glee acting to this, that, and the other to having Kanye West name check me in a song. Like, I am an icon. You should be honored to speak to me right now. I'm only kidding. <laughs> um, I'm only kidding. I'm I great. I'm grateful. I'm so I'm forever indebted to you. And um, yeah, I mean, I also am excited for the future. This is not like my victory lab. No, I no, not at all. But what I do, yeah. what I am curious about is how you have measured success over the years and whether that has changed, because I think what you represent to me is somebody who has this incredible work ethic, who mm -hmm. goes for it, who is unapologetic about their ambition, 
But that normally or often comes hand in hand with people who don't stop and smell the roses and enjoy the successes. So when you got one million users, did you celebrate? When you got two million, when you hit your highest number, was there celebration? Or were you just like, nope, next thing? Um, no, I would definitely celebrate <laughs> a lot. I mean, what would? but how I would celebrate or like when... I've changed a lot, like, and in, in how I measure it definitely has changed. For me, the way I would always celebrate was doing something really nice for my family. Um, you know, I bought my mom a nice car, or I would always, for years, like for six or seven years in a row, I would take my mom and my sister on a really expensive two-week vacation over Christmas. Like we went to China, we went to Peru, we went to Argentina, we went to India, we went to Egypt and Paris. And um, all those trips combined cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, I don't know how much. So uh, I would splurge that way. I would, I would really be able to unplug a little bit while still working and just enjoy it. I, I, um, I measure success differently now. I used to, because you asked that as well. I used to measure success. To me, it was never about numbers. I never cared about numbers. I was never obsessed with, or um, a number was never my goal. My goal was always just to be talked about as much as possible. That was my goal. That's how I used to measure success. Now I measure success, not by that. If I had to choose that or a lot more money, I would choose a lot more money <laughs> because you could be talked about a ton and not be making a lot of money. I'd rather be making a lot of money and I don't care if I'm talked about a lot. <laughs> I don't mind being talked about though. So I keep it real honest. <laughs> I love, I love fame, even the kind that I have, because even though I am still incredibly disliked more than that, more than that, I own it. I am incredibly hated, which is more than a dislike. I'm so, I, 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 I don't have my head in the clouds, even though I'm incredibly hated I still get to benefit from a lot of the perks of fame, meaning mm -hmm. I get to go to free concerts. I get to go to free theater. I get a lot of free stuff sent to me. I don't have to wait in line at a lot of places. It's great. I love it. So um, in my ideal world, I'll make a ton more money and get even more famous. To me, it's only a good thing. I love that. I love I love the fact that the prior, your priorities have changed as well, or the way you measure it has changed. And you keep it real because I think sometimes we can believe that it's ugly or gross to say my end goal is money, but let's face it. It but is. <laughs> I want to make as much money as possible because, I mean, that's freedom. That's freedom. Like, I don't, I love working. Like I said, I'll always work hard but I would love to be even a better parent. Like that's, to me, that's really the main, re like I am a great dad. I'm an awesome mm. father, but I still work insanely hard. I would love to work like a normal person and work eight or nine hours a day and then be able to just unplug or 
work like a successful sitcom star where they get two months vacation or three months vacation a year. Actually, you Europeaners already get like two months vacation or whatever. <laughs> Us Americans only get like two weeks vacation, which sucks. It's crazy. Mm. Um, but yeah. And just to be able to like do whatever I want. Like if I want to, if I want to do a, 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 a musical or a play that, that pays me nothing. I've done that in the past. I probably wouldn't do that right now because right now I'm just too busy and overwhelmed. But if I didn't have to worry about doing all these other things, then I could do a musical right now or a one man show or develop, produce this documentary or help that musical artist or whatever it is. Like I am still ambitious and I dream big and I'm a creative person and I love helping people. That's, that's one of my favorite things that I do. I mentor so many influencers. I have so, and, and musicians. Like I have so many that while I'm incredibly hated, not everybody hates me. And some people do like to seek out my advice or my ear or whatever it is. So like literally day, day, every single day, multiple people I'm saying, oh, maybe not that, or I love this, or that could work better of this or whatever it is. Like, I would love to do that even more. Like, I don't know, I, I, I'm a people person. I love people. I love the helping people. Some people even make fun of me for that. Like I invited a girl, I've, I've done it more than once now. I've invited strangers to my house to film with me. And my podcast co-host is like, these people might be crazy and you're inviting them to your home. And I'm like, no, I saw this girl on YouTube make a video about me and she's fabulous. I could tell <laughs> she's not a crazy person. So I don't know. I'm oh. a crazy person. <laughs> but I think also you don't get sometimes, uh, maybe people don't know that you have been involved in the birth of some of the biggest stars that we've got around today, like Gal Gars one, Katy Perry. I mean, you you were there. I can't remember. There was another one now, but I can't remember. But you, well, Paris, you really were there and you were a guide. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I... I'm an opinionated person and a creative person and I always keep it real. And I think a lot of artists respect that too because they're often just surrounded by yes people. Mm, they get yes to death as somebody said to me the other day, which is amazing. Now I could talk to you for another hour, but I'm very mindful of the fact that the clock has has struck midnight where you are. <laughs> so I am going to let you go, but thank you so much for your time. And listeners, the link to Perez's book, obviously his website, his podcast, his vanity URL will be in the show. I have a vanity URL for my book too. <laughs> PerezHiltonBook.com. <laughs> yeah, you know me. Mar marketing <laughs> marketing is very important you're making my job very easy do you know what I've I knew I was going to enjoy this because you really did it, it's the Midas touch it's turning it's turning something into gold from practically nothing and you said something about 20 minutes ago that I scribbled down really quickly because it's exactly true I think you always knew that you were going to be successful but you just didn't know what it was going to look like and you said a little while ago it didn't exist and you made it from nothing. And what you said too, it's like, that's what I do most days, turning crap into gold. You 
like, I remember, and I still see this, like, other blogger, like, there are not even that many other bloggers now, but I would read other blogs or now they're like, on their Instagrammers. Like I follow a lot of the Instagram tea pages as they're called or whatever. Um, you will never ever hear me say this expression. It's a slow news day. <laughs> because I could always have something to talk about and you always have to present it that way. You always have to give the impression that what you are giving people is more than just important. It's vital, it's essential, and that you do it so well. Mm. And I do, like, even on TikTok, like, I, I love TikTok because it's not just a way for me to make silly videos, but I also have been using it to share news and talk about important things. But how you talk about the news, I do it in a way that's very me. Like mm. whatever it is that you do, you've got to make it seem fabulous and important. Maybe fabulous isn't the right word, but you know, you got to make it seem important. Yeah. And, and as you said earlier, when you said it so brilliantly, like you're the star quality, you're the unique thing, bring you to it and then everything else will follow. What a pleasure to speak to you. As I said, listeners, the links to Perez, his book, his podcast, his website, his social media, his TikTok will be in the show <laughs> notes. But Perez Hilton, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate you spending your time with me. If you want to get in touch with me, and you know I love hearing from you, please do email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I really do love hearing from you, so please don't be shy. Or if you fancy something a little bit more informal, why not send me a DM on Instagram and Twitter or Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns. But if you want to chat to me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast, then you can go to the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. And you can click the link to join the Facebook group, answer a couple of questions, agree to the forum rules, and I will be there with thousands of your fellow excellent listeners and we will welcome you with open arms and a Keanu gif. What more could you ask for? Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate your time. I will see you on the next one. Mm -hmm.